get to hear the words from the king. And so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to give you, you've got a little handout this morning. And when you come to chapel each week, and I know a lot of you, this is your first chapel. Some of you have been here for years. Some of you since probably elementary school. And what you're going to want to do is take notes each week. That's really important. We want you to bring your Bibles as well. Everybody kind of gets that. And we really are fortunate. We have speakers, pastors, Bible teachers all across Nebraska. A lot of times I'm bringing somebody from Omaha or Lincoln or Columbus. Sometimes we've got local guys that are just absolutely as good of preachers as anybody I can bring from Lincoln or Omaha. But they're always doing one thing, and that is they're bringing us the Word of God. So I want you to be very attentive, and usually you almost always are. I want you to be careful to always give whoever the speaker is really good eye contact, pay attention to what they say. It's not so much their personality and who they are, it's that they are bringing God's Word, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. And then towards the end, sometimes you'll hear that faint buzzer. And I know some of you, I mean, we're just conditioned this way, right? We start thinking about when's this class going to be over? When's this time going to be over? And we do the same thing at church. If we hit like high noon, everybody's kind of like, okay, that's, that's, we're wrapping up. And so there's a tendency to kind of go, well, let's get everything ready and get everything in my bag and all that. So don't do that. Don't do that. In fact, here's the thing I've learned if you hit that point at chapel and you kind of go, well, I think he's wrapping up, it's towards the end, really, really, really pay attention because sometimes the most important thing that you will hear that morning in chapel is right at the end. And if you're sort of checking out and going, okay, I wonder what's next or I wonder what's for lunch, you're going to miss it. So don't check out. Hang in there all the way to the very end of that message because it's going to be worthwhile. So here are some things I want. Some of these things you can jot down, just a quick note. I'm going to give you some quotes from some pastors, and you don't have to write every single word of these quotes down when we get to it, but I've got some simple fill-in-the-blanks that hopefully kind of help you a little bit. But I want you to be thinking about these things. In the Bible, the word ear, listen, and hear, there are 1,120 references. That's in the ESV. Here's the point. There is a lot in the Bible over a thousand times when hear ears, listening, hearing are talked about. Now, I'm going to give you some sports illustrations because here's the thing. You know, I coached here, seems like a long time uh, for years. So my mind, being in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, having been a college athlete, having been a coach, I, I think like that. Here's what I know, and you understand this if you're an athlete. If your coach tells you something many times, whether it's in volleyball or basketball or football, they're telling you in football, get your head across or get your head up or your eyes up, and they say that three or four times to you, you know what? You better listen. You better listen. And if they say it many times, you better listen. So when the Bible talks about these things, and it's multiple times, you want to make sure you're really listening to what the Bible says. I put it this way, there's kind of this coin where it's listen and obey, listen and obey. So when we come in here on Wednesday mornings, we're kind of expecting, okay, get the ears open, we're going to listen, 
But guess what? It's a little more than that. Because this isn't entertainment. You know, this is not like going to the new Marvel movie and going, man, I'm going to have two hours of the action heroes. I'm going to sit back in my lounge chair. I'm going to pay attention. It's great entertainment. Because when you do that, all you do is you listen, but there's really not anything to do when you leave the theater, except maybe look forward to the next Marvel movie, right? When you're in church or when you're here in chapel, the Bible always has this idea. It's the two-sided coin. It's always listen and obey. There's going to be something that God calls us to do, so it's got to be more than just simply listening. This is what J.I. Packer, a theologian, said. And again, you don't have to write all these words down. You might just write down one of these words or two of these words as reminders. But he says this, Listeners never honor God more than by listening to God's word preached with full purpose of obeying him. Once they see what he's done, is doing, and what they're called to do. Now, we talk a lot here at school about honor. You know, we have the honor banquet. We've had that the past few years, the seniors. We talk about honoring God, glorifying God. And so one of the ways you do that best is when you take God's word and you obey that. In fact, I've sometimes asked athletes, they'll say, well, coach, I know my purpose is to glorify God. And I'll say, well, what do you, mean, what do you think that means? And over the years, a lot of athletes have kind of said, well, I don't know. Like, just don't, don't cuss at the referee or something like that. And I'm like, no, no, no. The simplest way to understand glorifying God in sports or in the classroom is, is just two words, if you want to write this down. It involves your attitude and action. Two A's, attitude and action. Attitudes, you can look at the fruits of the Spirit and you go, oh, there we go, there's the attitudes. And actions, which are righteous action. And by the way, they go together. So when I was coaching here, it wouldn't do me good enough when a referee would make a really bad call for me just to restrain myself from letting them have it. So you might look at me as a coach and go, oh, he didn't like get upset and scream at the coach. But if my attitude in my heart is, oh, that was a terrible call. Well, I'm just, oh, I'll let that guy have it. I'm still not glorifying God. It's both attitude and action. They go together. And by the way, Almost always, what you're thinking and your attitude is going to lead to action. Proverbs 23.7 says, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. So oftentimes, what we think will affect what we do. So we want to make sure we're thinking about this idea of obeying God. Here's what a Puritan said, thinking about listening, obeying God. He said, It would be better for me to die and lie under the ground rotting then the word of God ever be disgraced by me. Well, those are kind of wake-up words, right? But that's the way this Puritan felt about obeying the word of God and the importance of it. So here's our first one. So this is the first A that you can write in, and this is the word appreciation, appreciation. And I've got down that you must understand the gravity of hearing God's word preached. The gravity. So I use that word gravity on purpose. You maybe could use the word seriousness. And here's what I have in mind. You know, like when we come in Wednesdays, I think it's perfectly fine to 
you know, kind of joke with the neighbor, have a little bit of fun, but you know there's that moment when we're ready to sing and worship God Almighty and get down to business where all of a sudden we just kind of zip, okay, now we need to focus, and there's this seriousness that goes with it. I think most of the time we get that, but I think we miss something if we don't realize that what we do here Wednesdays is really, really a big thing and really important. As a coach, I remember this many years ago, there was a long time ago, High Plains had a girls team, and I remember they just drive me crazy. And this is years ago, so it's none of the current coaches or girls, but for whatever reason, their coach would just kind of let the girls in warm-up just like goof around. And it drove me crazy because they'd wind up beating us, which made it even worse. But I can remember in warm-ups, they're just joking around and throwing the ball around, and I'm just like, it just drove me nuts because it was just like, wait a minute, you need to be getting ready for something. You know, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna compete. And so they're... So that always kind of drove me crazy to see something like that. When I, I had a chance to play football in Nebraska in the 1970s, in fact, uh, there's a 1978 player reunion this, this year for the Minnesota game. So that's really cool. I get to see guys that I played with like, you know, 40 years ago. And in fact, with Coach Frost back, which is really cool, he's been inviting former players back for luncheons and scrimmages. So it's cool. I'm seeing guys I hadn't seen for 40 years, you know. And we just had a scrimmage last week with a luncheon. And here was the interesting thing that I saw. Coach Frost kind of walked us around a little bit. We were kind of over in the weight room and we were walking out. So here are these guys, some guys that are younger guys in their 30s. But there's guys, I'm, I'm getting ready to turn 62, but there's guys in their 70s that are former Huskers. So we're, we're kind of in a line. We're walking out onto the field. And there's this tradition at Nebraska. You've probably heard of it. There's a horseshoe. And this horseshoe, as you come out of the locker room, the tradition is before you hit the field, you, you tap on the old horseshoe. It's superstitious. But guys have done it for years. But I just thought this was hilarious. I see these seven-year-old guys jumping up there to hit this thing, you know. And it's like, okay, we're getting ready to go out on the stadium. And I'm like, Okay, they, they get there is a serious, like there's something to this that's like a big deal. And I thought, we all get that when it comes to football, and we treat football much bigger than it should be. And sometimes we make great idols of it. But I thought, if we can do that, if we can prepare our hearts for a big game, and you understand that if you're an athlete, right, and you're kind of sitting in the locker room, it's a sub-district game, or it's a state championship game or whatever, you understand that that moment you're kind of thinking and preparing and thinking about the game, there's something going on that's a gravity to it. Well, I want you to think about that when we come in here Wednesday mornings. Should it be any less than that? And I would argue absolutely not. Here's what 2 Timothy 4, 1, verses 1 and 2 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. Hey, we have got our charge as believers. We know this when we go to church Sunday. Your pastors get this. This is why they've sacrificed greatly. And some of them have spent years being able to explain the word of God and help apply it in our lives so this is a big thing. 
What we see on Wednesdays is something that I would call expository preaching. I, I also just call it biblical preaching because there's only one kind of preaching I know, but a lot of times it's expository preaching. One of my favorite pastors, here's, here's a quote. He said this, expository preaching is the proclamation of Holy Scripture delivered for the purpose of enabling others to understand what God has written, why that is important, how it relates to one's personal life. That's Chuck Swindoll. And I kind of highlighted in red three words that stood out to me. It proclaiming, which is that preaching, teaching idea, so you can understand the listener. So when we have someone up here Wednesdays, they're trying their best to really get across what does this mean. This is what the scripture has, which by the way, there's one intended meaning we're trying to get at, not a whole bunch of meanings. It's trying to help understand it and how it relates to life. And so when I was a young man, there were two pastors I would listen to on the radio and I would hear him do this kind of preaching. One of them was this guy, Chuck Swindoll. And the next guy is this guy, John MacArthur. And here's what he says about expository preaching. Expository preaching is the best way to preach the Bible. If every word of God is pure, if every word of God is true, then every word needs to be dealt with. And expository preaching is the only way you actually come to grips with every word in Scripture. I love that quote. And many of your churches will go book by book, verse by verse, and they'll do it in a way that you understand the themes and what's going on. It's a little different here at chapel. We have many different speakers, and so you'll not have very often where we build on a series from one book of the Bible or one chapter to the next. But the one thing that's always constant is they're trying to explain, exposit the Scripture that's what's so unique. When I'd hear these two guys in the radio, I just finished up playing at the University of Nebraska, and it always, always thought, okay, I'm here in Nebraska. I've got Tom Osborne as my head coach. If I want to know something about football, nobody better than Tom Osborne. Nobody. And when I got saved and I started listening to these guys, I thought, these guys know God's Word. I, I need to go figure out what they know, or at least these are guys that I can learn from. So my wife and our family, we wound up in Los Angeles so I could be a part of John MacArthur's church and only be about an hour from Chuck Swindoll's church. And I just remember as a young guy thinking, I just did everything I could just to soak it in and just had such an appreciation. And so the little time we had there impacted the whole rest of my life because of this type of preaching. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. This is really important. I've highlighted in red just that idea. This isn't just human words. So when I ask somebody to come to chapel and speak, I'm not saying, hey, come give us a pep talk. Come give us some human psychology. Like, they all get that we're going to study the Word of God. And in fact, some of the time, I'll make sure when they're new, I'll say, look, you don't got to dumb this down. Because I know there are times that maybe I, there might be a youth pastor and he thinks, well, the attention span's like five minutes today. Kids can't handle anything. They're, they're stupid. They don't know anything. I'm like, 
Oh, I hear that. We expect a lot of our students in the classroom, we expect that they can sit and listen for 30, 35, 40 minutes. They can understand and comprehend. Because guess what? Every other subject, you do it, right? So it drives me crazy when people are like, when people hear what we do here at school and they go, oh, you mean like somebody preached God's word for 40 minutes and like they weren't all asleep in five minutes? I'm like, no. I'm not inviting some guy in here to, to bore him to tears. Now, there's differences in personalities and styles of preaching. But what we expect is when we hear the word of God, we really want to pay attention to that and appreciate that. This is a picture I took, I don't know, it's probably more than 10 years ago. This was a, a guy who was a mega church pastor. I thought it was down in Texas. That's why he's got his cowboy hat on. And we happened to be on a senior trip, and we were there during the middle of the week. And so as leaders, we kind of have been talking about churches that do the prosperity gospel, which we're not going to talk about today other than to say prosperity gospel is not a good thing. But this was one of the leaders in this movement, had a big church, and uh, was not really preaching God's word. And so one of the classes that had been talked about, what's preaching? Why is it important? Why is that different than some of the churches today that really don't preach God's word? So we had to be at, in this town, and we thought, well, we'll just, just Wednesday night, let's just slip over there and you know, kind of let the students kind of experience and kind of see what's going on. And uh, I'll never forget this. We had one of our students, and he had a backpack, and he walked in, and I was already sitting pretty close to the front row. I don't know. We were 10, 11 rows back. It was kind of empty on a Wednesday night. It was in a big arena, maybe only 2,000 people. You could have put probably 30,000 people in this place. So it felt a little bit empty. But I noticed when the students sat down, security came and grabbed them and pulled them out. And, you know, they had the earplugs. and They looked like CIA and all that sort of thing. And I thought, oh, boy, he's in trouble. And they pulled him to the back of the room and took him back and searched his bag, because, you know, they thought maybe a bomb or something like that. And when they were done, the student said, well, uh, okay, I get that. Can I have my bag back? And he said, no, we'll just keep your bag here, and you can have it as you leave. And he said, okay, could I have my Bible back? Because his Bible was in the bag. And the guy that had been working there for years kind of looked at him and said, Bible? You don't need your Bible here. And this guy got real big like, what? So, you know, he couldn't wait running up the front to tell all the group leaders, you're not going to believe this. You know, this happened to me. No Bible. This is crazy. And, and then the next thing that happened, the service kind of got going, and there was a little bit of music. And I remember the guy got up to speak, and he said this. He said, turn your Bibles to, I think it was Philippians 4, 6 or something. And so I thought, oh, well, this might be good. Like, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go right to the Scripture. And for the next probably 45 to 50 minutes, he never even read the Scripture he said to turn to. So I've still got my Bible. I'm still looking. When's he going to get to that verse? Never came back to it. But in 45, 50 minutes, he talked about human psychology, uh, all kinds of opinion-type things. A lot of the advice, not bad. I mean, I would say he had some good advice, but... If I wanted to hear somebody's opinion on how to overcome stress, you know, I, I probably wouldn't be there that night, you know. But that, so there wasn't like horrible things said, but I just thought not anything that was coming from here. It was all opinion. And it was interesting to see the students' reactions because it was kind of like, I don't even know why anybody would go there. 
because the students had already begun to understand that the Word of God is not opinion. The Word of God is what we need to hear. We need to hear often. So number two, anticipation. You must prepare your heart before hearing God's Word preached. So anticipation. So here's the thing. It's hard some days, right? I mean, sometimes you get to the railroad tracks and you get stuck behind a train and you're getting here late and you're going, man, this stinks, or you had a fight with your brother or sister or you didn't get something for breakfast or you only got half your coffee down and you just kind of scurry in here and all of a sudden it's like we're in chapel. Well, that happens at church too. And we need to actually begin to think way before we get in here about what we're going to experience and anticipate, which is we get this chance to hear God's word so it's a whole different ball game, and we need to begin to anticipate we're going to get to hear, and God's going to speak to us. That's an awesome thing. Two weeks ago, I had coffee with a former Husker player, quarterback. Now, you're all way too young because this guy just turned 68, so you've never heard of this guy. But before there was Eric Crouch and Tommy Frazier and all the great quarterbacks in Nebraska, there was a guy named Jerry Taggy in the early 70s. The first championship Nebraska won was with Jerry Taggy. So the older folks in the back go, oh yeah, that, we know that name. And I had heard rumor that maybe Jerry had become a Christian over the years, so I finally caught up with him for coffee a couple weeks ago and said, what's your story? And Jerry's story was so similar to a lot of Husker athletes I've heard before. He said, you know, Gordon, I got down there as a freshman and things weren't going good and all of a sudden, I got this chance to start in Nebraska. Everything went well. And then my whole life fell apart because I started drinking and doing stuff I shouldn't have done. And so he said, I became an alcoholic as a college athlete. He said, you know, hardly anybody knew it because we were winning the national championship. Everybody thought I was doing great. I wasn't. He said, I was in my late 40s when I came to Christ, and I had a pastor give me a Bible. And he goes, Gordon, I never read the Bible. He said, I grew up Catholic. I just, I'd never even opened a Bible. And this pastor said, Jerry, this is what you need the rest of your, the rest of your life. So this is a guy that's like 48 years old, been an alcoholic for years. And Jerry said, this pastor helped him open the Bible, understand it. And Jerry said, I've been reading it ever since every day and as much as I can. And he said, I love to lead Bible studies. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's the power of God's Word. So when Jerry opens that Bible, he's anticipating, okay, this is not like just opening a Harry Potter book. Like, I'm opening God's Word, and it's going to actually speak to me. In the book of Luke, chapter 8, and this is a familiar passage for a lot of you, but it says, And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold, and he said these things he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then a little later in Luke 8, it says, take care then how you hear. And then finally in verse 21, my mother, my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So we don't have time to kind of unpack the parables here. It's enough to say for just right now that you see it over and over in Scripture how important it is to not just hear, but actually be a doer. 
What you do see in that passage are the different kinds of soil. You see road soil, an unreceptive heart, rocky soil, which is a shallow heart, thorny soil, which is a worldly heart, and good soil, which is a receptive heart. And here's my point. When you come in here on Wednesday mornings, your heart is critical. And if you come in and you've had a fight, if you're distracted, if you're, it affects the way you listen and ultimately it will affect the way you obey God's word and if you honor and glorify God. So it does matter that you come in here with an anticipation that, hey, I'm ready today to hear what God's got to say. And my responsibility is to make sure that I have people that are up here that are not going to just give you their opinion, human psychology. And yeah, they'll tell a few funny stories here and there to kind of get your attention or make a point or illustrate something. But I fully expect that they're going to bring you the Word of God. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. I love this quote. He was a famous pastor from over 100 years ago. He said this, We're told men not, ought not to preach without preparation, but men also should not hear without preparation. Which do you think needs more preparation, the sower or the ground? I would have the sower come with clean hands, but I'd also have the ground plowed and prepared before the seeds come in. I love that quote. Because yes, I... I had to prepare for this morning. I just didn't open up my laptop and just kind of wing it. I had to think about what I would share with you. I had to pray about what I would say this morning. And every person who sets up here Wednesday is preparing probably at a minimum of five hours, maybe a dozen hours, maybe longer depending on the message. But what Spurgeon's saying, as important as that is, isn't it just as important that you're ready, that your hearts are ready to receive it? So that's one of the reasons I love that passage. Number three, attention. We'll wrap this up here in a few minutes. I want to get these last two. Attention. You must exercise discernment while hearing God's word preach. Discernment. So, you know, I've kind of been doing this for, I don't know, 16, 17 years. Uh, there's not maybe any time that we've ever had anybody stand up here that said something that was really questionable theologically. There may be some things you kind of go, oh, I'm not quite sure I understand that. So, but even with them and even with your own pastors, you want to have an attitude of discernment where you go, is that what the Word of God says? Is that what it says? So I want you to always be thinking, do I understand it properly? Sometimes it might be you don't understand what they were trying to communicate or probably this happens sometimes. They say it in a way they didn't mean to and it's, it's miscommunicated. But pay attention. I was at a conference with a group of Nebraska Christian students in California probably 10 years ago, and we had a small group meeting after a pastor named John Piper had just preached. And John Piper is like big guy, right? Like he's a well-known pastor. And one of the students, she looked at me and she said, you know, I think, I think John Piper was wrong about what he said about that scripture. And I was like, what? That's John Piper. My first reaction was, you got to be kidding. And then I thought, oh, She's kind of getting what I'm saying, which is, does it square with the Word of God? And as we talk more, I realize she didn't quite understand what he'd said, but I appreciate the fact that just because it was John Piper didn't mean she would just go, oh, he must, just, must all be just correct. And that would be true of any pastor. So I want you to be discerning. 
And a great verse for this is 1 Thessalonians, which says, But test everything, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. So one of the great things I think we can do at the school, in Bible classes, in any class really, is to help you develop this ability to discern. Because someday, and someday is always sooner than you probably think it's going to get here, you'll be away from here, and you'll be in Lincoln, Omaha, who knows where, and you'll be trying to figure out where to go to church, what Bible teachers to listen to, and you're not going to be able to text me or your Bible teacher and say, hey, where should I go to church? Or where, you know, this guy said this or that. You need to develop some of your own abilities to discern from the Word of God. Number four, application. Application. You must obey after hearing God's Word preached. So that's kind of been the theme of everything we've been talking about this morning is apply, apply, and apply more. This sometimes is a hard thing when you grow up in a Christian family, in a church, because I think this happens. We just assume that we kind of know everything, so we hit age 12, 13, 14, and sometimes we just kind of go along, take things for granted, don't realize that maybe we're not looking at the world from a Christian worldview lens. So while we talk a lot about Christian worldview here, what I oftentimes see is when someone comes to Christ like I did as a freshman in college, didn't grow up in the church, I knew immediately like everything I'd ever learned to that point goes away and I was like, I'm all in. What do I need to know? And that's helpful in one sense because I knew that the Bible had to inform me. I didn't know much of the Bible. It's sometimes a little more of a challenge when you grow up in a Christian family because you just kind of don't think that way sometimes. You think, well, I've just heard it all. So when you come in here Wednesdays, I really want you to think about application. Here's a couple phrases. Practice what you preach. You've heard that before. So I shouldn't sit up here and preach at you to read God's Word, all these things I'm talking about, then walk out of here and not do it. I need to do that. But practice what you hear so practice what you hear and then i've got this on your notes from thomas watson he was a puritan he said preaching is not only to inform you but also to reform you i really like that quote as it kind of relates to this so here's here's the wrap-up so listen closely and fill in your your blanks here again this is the biblical preaching idea has the text clearly been explained so that's what we're after here at chapel. We're hoping that the Word of God is read, that it's explained, and my hope is you walk away going, okay, I get it, I understand it. Now, there are times that there are parts of the Bible that are harder than others to understand. Some things come easier. Some things are just like a harder passage, and you're going, okay, I've really got really to think this through that's okay. That's the way it is. There's some, so some Wednesdays you might go, I've really got to think about what's being said, but I'm hoping that this is explained. And have you been encouraged to apply it? It's kind of the so what? And then has Christ been exalted as the only way to do it? So that comes back to the gospel to understand that Jesus is our Lord. He is King Jesus. And the reason we obey is because he's our king. That's what we obey. That's what should motivate us. If you understand he's King Jesus and that he died for your sins and that as you turned away from your sin and received Christ as your Lord and Savior, that changes everything. Let me just say one thing about the text been clearly explained. 
I have the, the privilege in Omaha of going to a church where my son, Josh, is a pastor. Some of you have heard him preach up here before, and we'll have him here for Spiritual Emphasis Day, along with Rich Peterson, who's also at my church. And they're gonna, it's going to be interesting because you're going to have a 30, basically a 30-year-old and a 70-year-old kind of tag teaming. And what you're going to see is it's same, they're doing the same thing. It doesn't matter that there's years apart. But Josh used to sit just where you were, and he now preaches on Sunday. And so usually once we get everything kind of cleaned up and we're out the door, he'll give me a call, some, usually about a half hour after he's kind of the way home, and he'll say, Dad, what'd you think? And what I've told him is what's most important to me is not just style or how dynamic was the story or how interesting. All those things are important, right? You don't want to bore people. So you want to do it in a skillful way. You want to prepare. You want to deliver as best you can. But the one thing we're talking about, not, not that stuff, is did it make sense? Could you understand it? So he'll, he, every week he'll call, did, did, that, did it make sense to you, Dad? Do you think it made sense to everybody else? Because what he knows is when he preaches and he's done, if everybody's kind of looking around going, I have no idea what you just said the last half hour, we're in trouble. So the good thing about preaching is you're looking for it to be clearly explained. And what I can share with you is those who do this best are the ones who prepare, the ones who prepare and do the hard work and do it the longest. There's no secret to it. There just isn't. It's just like sports. It's exactly like sports. You know, my son Josh played basketball out here, and he's a good, he was like a good three-point shooter. And some people would say, wow, how did he get to be so good at it? And I'd say, well, do you know what he does after practice? And they said, what's he do after practice? I said, sometimes he'll shoot for two hours, three-pointers. Are you kidding? That's crazy. And I said, now do you understand? It's not that he's talented. It's just he works really hard at it. Same thing is true with Scripture for you. If you really want to understand God's Word in Scripture, it's not like any secret to it. It's hard work. But here's the thing. There is a huge payoff. You see over and over in the Old Testament, it talks about mining for treasure. It'll use that in the book of Job. And that treasure that it's referencing is the word of God is that treasure. So I hope it makes sense to you this morning that we're so fortunate that every week we get to come in here and do this. And you guys get a chance to hear from some of the best in Nebraska. And sometimes it's a guy like David Whedon coming from Minnesota or some other guy that's coming from outside. And it's really funny because when I drive them here, a lot of times they're just like, where are we? Or where are we going? I have picked people up in Omaha, and they thought they were going to Nebraska Christian College in Papillion. And we get on I-80, and they go, where are we going? And I go, well, you know, there's a reason I picked you up at 6 in the morning. Yeah? I said, we're driving two hours. What? Where? You know, and they hit the cornfields, and, and then when they hear with you, every time they walk away with me and drive away, and they go, that was a special place every time and the reason is they see your eyes they see you're engaged and they know you care about God's word that's one re one of the reasons I love coaching here I coached both in a Christian setting and in a setting that had both believers and non-believers and I would tell their coaches I'd say I don't know if I can coach anywhere else because a Nebraska Christian for the most part maybe not in every case but if I'm talking to a dozen athletes or 15 athletes and we're talking about the Lord like, people are actually paying attention. And a lot of times, other coaches in a public school would go, what? What are they doing? 
Like if I did that, I'd have like one athlete kind of paying attention, the others would be sleeping. And I'm like, no, it's cool. They care. It makes a difference. That's one reason this campus is so special, but it all starts with the Word of God, honoring God with the listening and obeying. So I can't wait for next week. We've got Bob Gannon up coming from Aurora. Bob is always one of my favorites. I either always have him lead off or go right after me. So you know you're going to get some good preaching next week. Let's pray and then we'll head off for class. Lord, we thank you this morning just for this time. And although not really a sermon, more of a lecture, more of just a time to get our heads straight about what this, this Wednesday is, this philosophy of chapel and how important it is. And we know it's, it's both the preaching of the word of God, the worshiping through word, and song. And I thank you for these students, and I pray that you would help them as they come in here every week to hear from your word. And I do pray for all the speakers that are lined up for this semester, even as they pray, prepare, and think about what it is they're going to say, that those will be words that we will hear and obey. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.